Um, so good morning. Ryan, I hate to be... Thank you. Yes. Um, I, I know the, the words that roll up on the back, I like to see the slide behind me that's in front of me. Ryan, thank you. That's so awesome. Um, this morning, uh, the title of my message is called Grace uh, is Greater, which you have the grace and the greater sign. And um, as we head into communion this morning, I thought this was kind of an appropriate thought as uh, we, we spend some time around the table and fellowshipping together. Uh, but one thing I learned this week is there are new words that are routinely added to the dictionary. Um, words that I've never heard before that I will probably never in my life use, but maybe some of you will. Maybe. I think there's one that I might use. I think it's pretty fun. Uh, the first one is, called, is, is the word woo-woo. Yeah. Woo-woo. And this means to dubiously or outlandishly mystical, supernatural or unscientific. I, I don't know. Have you? I have not, but woo-woo, that's a word that has recently been added to the dictionary. Woo-woo. So maybe if you have crazy stuff going on at your house, now you know what to call it. Pastor Hawk, I got a lot of woo-woo going on. He'll know because he's heard it before. So he'll know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, and I'm not even sure I'm saying these correctly, but uh, here's another one called buka, bouquet. I don't know. It's uh, the blurred quality or effect seen in the out-of-focus portion of a photograph taken with a narrow depth of field. Maybe you know that word? I don't know that word. I've never heard it. I thought, okay. It sounds like something my kids would say running around the house. Uh, here's a, another fun one. Periodolia. I don't know. Just say it how you want. If you, I, here's what I've learned, all right? And this is for everybody. You can take it. When you read words that you don't understand or don't know, even when you're like reading like the names in the Old Testament, as long as you say it with authority, nobody's going to question it. <laughs> in fact, people are going to be like, that's how you say that. I had no idea. Yeah, you just got to use authority. So pareidolia, that's, uh, that's how this word is pronounced. It's the tendency to perceive a specific often meaningful image in a random or ambiguous visual pattern. Um, I don't know, maybe you're familiar with some of these words, maybe you're not. I'm not. I still think woo-woo is my favorite one that's been added. But this morning, I do want to talk a little bit about grace. And I've kind of taken Pastor's definition that he's put up on the screen a lot, and we've just kind of reworded a little bit. And this is what says, the free unmerited favor of God manifested in salvation and the bestowal of gifts and blessings. We spent a whole lot of time talking about grace. Weeks, months. And I thought today, heading into communion again, that this would definitely be maybe an appropriate way to kind of see grace out as we partake of, of the Lord's table. So many times I worry that even for us, as we've sat and we've heard this word grace and grace and grace and over again, when we've talked about salvation, we've talked about unmerited favor, we've talked about the giftings, we've, so many things that have been uh, presented before us to kind of take and digest and to grow with, I, I still think sometimes we hear this word and we just go, oh, yeah, it's grace, it's just, a, it's, a, it's grace. It's not a big deal. It, it, it's something that we're so familiar with that sometimes we forget, ultimately, what this grace means to us. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me this morning, and we're going to jump into it, and I promise I won't be too long. Father, we thank you for today, 
and for the opportunity to be here and to uh, just uh, have you work into our lives. Lord, and we ask for the Spirit's help this morning. We ask that the Spirit would uh, move us, the Spirit would remove roadblocks uh, from our minds, from our hearts, Lord, that we would uh, take your word and we would apply it to our lives. And not just this knowing it, but understanding it and using that. As Ben said this morning, are we all in? Most of us are probably not. And like Ben said, there's areas of our lives that we're willing to give up, but there's areas that you're just not welcome in. You haven't called us to be sort of in, 90% in. But Father, we ask that your spirit would infiltrate our minds our hearts, and our lives. Or that we could be these trophies of grace that we've talked about in the past. So Father, we uh, commit this time into your hands. Lord, I ask that you help me to speak clearly. Lord, that uh, your word would not uh, go unheard this morning. So Lord, we ask these things in your name. Amen. So there's three things that I want to talk about this morning regarding grace. And the first thing is simply this, that grace is just simply greater. There's three points to this message, really, and then we'll get into communion. It's greater than our mistakes. It's greater than our brokenness. It's greater than our regrets. And I think uh, what Christ has done for us on the cross is we, we kind of look back and reflect on that today. This should be something that kind of comes to the forefront of our mind and reminding us of what grace is. And understanding how all of the things that we've learned and have been discussed over the last couple of months, that is amazing. Not just this salvation, but this bestowal of giftings and blessings that God has just poured out into us because of this word here, grace. And I really think that our, unfortunately, our ability to appreciate grace is directly related to the degree that we acknowledge our need for it. I guess in layman's terms, if I don't really feel like, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy, grace doesn't have that much of an impact on me. I have a quote here, and this isn't meant to be political. I, I sourced the article it came from, so if you want to go back, you can read it. But this is, it says, I'm telling you that if there is a God... When I get to heaven, I'm not stopping to be interviewed. I'm heading straight in. I've earned my place in heaven. It's not even close. You can read the article if you want. It's not here to be a political statement. This is just simply, can I tell you something? Uh, Mayor Bloomberg, has, he, he's, he has a secular mind view. That's his worldview. If there's a God, I'm not waiting. I've already earned my place. I'm going straight to the front of the line. And I tell you, unfortunately, there are a lot of Christians that have this same exact mindset. Look what I've done. I've taught Sunday school. I preached. I did this. I was an evangelist. I did all these things. When we take the time to compare this, Pastor had shared the Billy Graham video. And I thought about this when I was reading, and this popped up, and I thought, wow, this is amazing. I'm headed straight in. I've earned my place. In comparison to someone who has truly experienced this grace, who has said, you know, I'm not sure. I hope so. I hope that when that time comes that he's going to say, come on in, good, faithful servant, all that stuff. But you know what? I really don't know. And when we watched that video and we thought about it and had an opportunity to kind of reflect on it, that made me think, like, am I doing everything I'm supposed to do? 
Am I, am I really, is my mindset, it's not even close, man. I'm just going to come skating in like it's no big deal. Hey, Tim's here. The party's arrived, God. Let's get started. I heard dinner's ready. Like, come on, let's do this. Like, it, it, it. Can I tell you on the flip side, sometimes I'm not even close. Like, can we be honest? Sometimes you're not even close. But this is our mindset. This is what we've taken on because this is what the world... I'm not that bad. At least I'm not like that guy. That's going to be later a little bit in today's message. But we've worked really hard as a society to say we're not that bad. I'm a pretty good person. That's kind of the problem with accepting everybody's viewpoint, everybody's worldview. And you tell the kids when I, when I was teaching here, listen, not everybody's correct. Someone's got to be wrong. Someone's got to be right. Which side of that coin do you want to be on? This mindset of, hey, I'm, I'm good. I've done what I'm supposed to do. Like, look at all this stuff. And again, that's not a political statement. These are the words that came out of his mouth. If there's a God, when I get to heaven, I'm not stopping to be interviewed. I'm not stopping to talk to who? Who's going to stop me? I've earned my place. Who's going to stop us? Yeah, God. See, the text of today's message, you can see it down the corner, is Romans 3.23. And I didn't put it on a slide because most of us probably have that verse memorized. For all have sinned, right? We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. So in case you're wondering, well, have I sinned? I put some stuff together. I didn't. Paul did. He hooked us up. And this is what he writes in Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 10. He says, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to, here's some things, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now as you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. If, uh, if we interact on Facebook at all, uh, we posted a picture that my wife took a couple weeks back. Taryn, my oldest daughter, uh, we came home from church and she had some questions about being baptized and some of the things that Connor said and some of the things that Jay Cooley had said. And, and, and her question was, how old do I have to be to get baptized? And we said, well, it's not really about an age thing. And we were able to talk through some things. And we talked about sin. I said, Taryn, have you ever done anything wrong? This is the only thing she could come up with. Well, I tricked my sister once. <laughs> I was like, listen, I got a whole list if you're willing to sit. But you can ask my wife. That's what she said. I, I may, Taryn, have you ever lied? Well, maybe. Have you ever done this? So if we could just stop for a second. Here's a whole list of stuff that Paul talks about. Immorality, impurity, immoral living, passions, lust. Those are things that, you know, honestly, we don't really know. We don't know who struggles with those. Maybe if someone has shared it with you, because those are things that we can kind of do in private. Because Jesus says, if you look after a woman with lust in your heart, that's bad. Do you guys know what I'm thinking right now? You don't, right? I don't even know what I'm thinking right now. I'm just opening my mouth and 
Let it, sorry, Pastor, this is what happens. I just, words roll out. I, if you think you have ADD, wow. Um, so we don't know. I don't know what you're thinking. You don't know what I'm thinking. I don't know what your thought life is. I don't know what you do when no one's looking. We talk about integrity and character and the person we are when nobody's looking. But the, the kind of the, 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 the flip side of that is, well, God is always looking. And he's aware of what we struggle with and who we are and the sin that's in our life. And then he lists off all these things that are not so easy to hide. Anger, wrath, abusive speech, lying. As fate would have it, guess who got stuck behind a student driver driving 35 miles an hour down 211 this morning? Me. Right at the Village Deli. Okay, and I'm like, are you kidding me? And Ashley goes, why is it that every time you have to preach, there's someone in front of you driving really slow? <laughs> yeah, it has to be. It's, there's got to be something. Because I was like, come on, dude, 55. And she's like, are you going to be in the spirit to preach? And I'm like, you could stop. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, listen, if you're not married in here, if you're looking, find a partner who's able to do that to you and uh, respect that. I had to stop. I had to think, you know what? She's right. I'm going to pray that this obstacle, this thorn in my flesh is removed from my side. And they turned into the trailer park down the road. And I was like, praise God. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, no, I didn't do that. I'm just, I'm, I was debating whether or not to pass them, but she said it's probably their first time driving. You'll run them off the road. So I, I, I said, yeah, you're probably right. So I, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. Because even as Christians, even as people who are sitting here as trophies of grace that Dave had shared about when we had the, the Walter Hoving home, even as these people who have experienced the love of God and this power that has transformed and changed your life. If you're honest and you're sitting here this morning and you want to do a little bit of self-reflection, we'll have a little bit of time for that. But you're going to see that there are probably some of these things that are still in your life. Like Ben said this morning, there are, there are facets of my life that I have just not given over to God. I refuse to let the Spirit infiltrate that part of me. I refuse to give that over. I refuse to change my mind. I refuse ultimately to repent. But can I tell you, when we talk about grace, it is bigger and greater than whatever you are holding on to. Not just the salvation factor. If there's something that's keeping you, hey, there's three points. Your mistakes, your brokenness, and your regrets. Those are things that keep people from coming to Christ, from experiencing His love, but can I tell you, those are probably the three primary factors that keep Christians, that keep you, that keep me from living a Spirit-filled, wonderful life. I really think if we take the time to recognize the ugliness of our sin, the bigger this word becomes the more power it has. Because I've talked with, with, with teenagers, I've talked with parents, I've talked with people that don't know Christ, and there's a lot, well, I'm this, and i got to do this, and there's this first, and what about this, and I can't do this, and, and it's all this stuff. I'm just not worthy. God's grace is so much greater than that. So much greater.
Romans uh, 3.23, for all of sin. We have this. We're not getting rid of it. But there's an awesome verse in Romans. If you're familiar with the Romans road, it's Romans 5.8. But God demonstrated his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And some translations take that word yet, and it's used, they, they swap out with the word still. While we were yet and still sinners, while we were enemies of God, and we shook our fist at him and we said, I'm just, I'm not giving into this. I'm not willing to change. This is nothing for me. And even after we've experienced this grace where we still stand and we say, there's just some things, God, that I'm just not willing to give over. Whether you're eight years old like my daughter or 85, there's always something in us that the Spirit can change. The Spirit can, can, can push us. The Spirit can keep us moving forward. I have no idea. Pastor, you probably know how old Billy Graham was when he passed away. But that video, he's not a young man. And he's simply saying, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'm doing this right. I hope I am. I pray that I am. But I have a feeling that he understood at his age, there's things that the Spirit is still teaching me and showing me. So grace is greater. It's greater than our brokenness. It's greater than your brokenness. I'm not going to put all the scripture up there, but if you want to check it out later, Luke chapter 7, 36 through 50, this is an amazing story. I'm going to paraphrase it, shorten it up, and we're going to keep moving. But here's the story. Jesus is invited over to this Pharisee's house for a meal. And he comes in, and some of you are like, oh yeah, I remember the story. He comes in, and he sits down to eat, and this woman shows up, and she starts weeping at his feet, and she's washing his feet with her hair, and she's anointing his feet with perfume, and she's doing all these things. And Jesus is just sitting there, and this Pharisee looks at her, and he goes, man, if this guy was truly a prophet, if this guy truly knew what was going on, he wouldn't let this woman touch him. And Jesus says, I got an answer for that. And he tells him this story. He says, hey, there's a guy that has a little bit of debt, and there's a guy that has millions and millions of dollars of debt. And they owe it to the same guy, and he forgives them his little bit, and he forgives them his millions and millions. And he says, who's going to love the guy that forgave him more? And the Pharisees were like, duh, this is an easy question. The guy that had a, a bigger debt. And Jesus is like, you're absolutely right. And this is the woman that has that bigger debt. And here we sit with our little debt, and we go, at least I'm not like that guy. At least I'm not like this person over here. At least I didn't struggle with that. At least I don't have this in my life. At least I... We are broken people. There was a family, uh, not a fa I guess it could have been a family show. It was on uh, TLC. Um, I, I'm guilty of binge-watching things, which, uh, like, anybody ever seen Hoarders? Yeah, people are like, yeah. Um, usually when it comes time for spring cleaning, we'll turn it on a little bit. And... <laughs> Yeah. Listen, like pro-life tip, nothing motivates you to clean out your house than watching a couple episodes of that. I, like, I'm really, like throwing out stuff like, we still use this? Yeah, get rid of it. It doesn't matter. Get, but, so there was a show called Long Lost Family. I don't know if anybody's ever seen it, if anybody's familiar with it, but what it did is it reunited families that were separated. Families that were either, they had estranged relatives, uh, children that were given up for adoption, and they would, they would find these people and they would tell their story, and they would go through all of these, the, you know, contact this person, well, I don't remember, but you can call this person, this person lives there, and by the end of it, they would take these families and they would reunite them. 
and you would have this reconciliation, and you would have this restoration of, of relationship, and, and parents sobbing over these children who are now in their late 20s, 30s, that they'd never met before, or that they had given up for adoption, or that they had whatever the situation was. But, you know, I, I thought about that, and I thought about what does that look like for us? And here's some verses that we just recently talked about with a youth group. And these are found in Colossians, excuse me, chapter 1, 21 and 22. And I put the emphasis, I underlined, I highlighted, I put things in red. But this is what it says. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. See, we were once, in our brokenness, separated from God. In our mistakes, separated from God. And what's amazing is sometimes we can't get past this. I've had kids say, I just don't feel like God's talking to me. I just don't feel like God's answering my prayer. I just don't feel like I'm learning anything. I just don't feel like He's showing me. Well, first question, do you have a relationship with God? Yeah, I do. Okay. What in your life is preventing you from experiencing? Well, that's uh, personal. Well, that's your answer. I, I don't know what else to say. Uh, we can counsel out of that. Here's some tips to, to overcome these things. But we were once alienated from God. We were separated from Him. We were, we, were, we were nothing to do with Him. Hostile in mind. We were engaged in evil deeds. If you're wondering what those are, just go back to the previous uh, chapter, the verses we shared in Colossians. All the stuff that falls under the sin category. Alienated. Engaged in evil deeds, but through the blood. And that's why I put those words in red. Because it required the shedding of blood to achieve reconciliation. To have God look at us and see something that's blameless. To have God look down and see something that's now beyond reproach because we are covered in the sacrifice that God has given to us through Christ. That grace. If you're wondering this morning, this is kind of essentially a salvation message. I don't know where you're at. I don't want to begin to imagine or assume. We just had a young man stand in the baptistry and say, up until about X amount of years ago, it was all here, and it finally penetrated my heart. Finally. If you had asked me five years ago, Four years ago when I first met this young man, I always said, yeah, he's a Christian, no doubt. We don't know. But grace can penetrate that. Our mistakes, our brokenness. Grace is greater than our regrets. I have some verses that I wanted to look at. John chapter 21, 15 through 19. Uh, But instead of reading them, I thought we'd have a little bit of fun this morning. Because we're allowed to do that. And I thought we could just watch it, and then we'll talk about it. Grace is God's unmerited favor for us, His crazy love. And the truth is, many times we struggle understanding it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggled with understanding grace. 
Jesus, is that you? You're alive. I can't believe you're alive. Okay, I was in the boat, and I wasn't catching any fish, okay? But I heard this voice, and the voice said, cast your net to the other side. And so I'm thinking, I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing, but I'm not catching any fish, you know? And so I throw that net over there, and then a gaggle of fish pop into that net, and I'm going, this is a total miracle. Who could have done that? I need to know who told me to throw the net to the other side. And boom, I look up, and I mean, there is you. You're looking at me on the seashore going, it is I, the Lord. It's real life. I can't believe you're alive. This is awesome. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. I love you. You're alive. This is so great. Good. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on, man. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? I love you. Yes. And I'm so sorry about that rooster cluck, and I had no idea what that meant, but I do not. I'm better for it, all right? Okay. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, I'm smiling, but I'm serious. Come on, get out of the boat. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? Jesus, mere words cannot describe the passion that I have for you. I love you. You know everything. I love you. Good. Good. Then feed my sheep. I didn't even know you had livestock. That is so like you, though. There's something new about you all the time. That's what I love about you. Peter, yeah. do you remember uh, the morning the ladies went to the tomb? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all in the upper room trying to figure out what to do next, you know, because we thought you were dead. You know, you were dead, you know, and we're trying to figure all that out, you know. And Mary comes running up, and Mary's like saying, beehive, beehive, beehive. And I'm thinking, I'm allergic to bees. Like, keep them out. You know what I'm saying? But as she kept getting closer, I heard her correctly. She was saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. And we're going, who's alive, who's alive? And she said, she was at the tomb, and the tomb was empty. And she said that there was an angel there. And the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. And so me and John, we hightailed it down there. And if John says he beat me, he's totally lying, all right? I beat him, FYI, all right, you know? And we get down there, and I'm looking in that tomb, and it is. It is empty. There's nothing in there, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And John is right there. John is so good with words. He should write a book. He is so good with words. And John said, don't you get it, Peter? This is everything Jesus said he was going to do, and you did it, and it's done. Let's go. This is so great. Wait, yeah. the angel said what? Uh, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. You've risen. Let's go. This he is said okay. what? Go tell the disciples and Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter. You said my name. Why did you say my name? Peter, that's grace. No, no, I don't, I don't deserve that because that night people kept coming up to me asking me if I belonged to you, if I was with you, and I kept denying you left and right, no. all right? No, it'll take me my whole life to make up for what I did. It was unforgivable for no, what I did. No, What I did on the cross was meant to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable. That's my grace. It's not about you. It's always about me. That's grace, Peter. There we go. So if you want to, you can read that in John 21. The whole story's there. We're familiar with it. I, I thought that was fun, and I thought that is an appropriate jump into what we're about to celebrate. Regret, brokenness, mistakes, they do not measure up to what God has done for us. 
and to the grace that he has provided us, that he's given us so freely. We don't have to be imprisoned by our mistakes, by our brokenness, by our regret. And if you're here this morning and you've never taken the opportunity to say, hey, you know, I'd like to hear a little bit more. Maybe it's time for me to make a decision. Maybe it's time for you to put yourself in Peter's place to say, hey, I'm calling you. Will you respond today? Remorse, while it's the right response for regret, does not mean we have to stay there. One of the things that we had talked about in a recent staff meeting was not, this is kind of a universal issue, but this idea of accepting our brokenness. And just kind of saying, well, God loves me for in spite of me. And he does. And pastor said something that was really profound and mind-blowing, and this is simply what it is. You're absolutely right. God loves you in spite of your brokenness, but he is not happy with us staying in our brokenness. He's not. Our understanding of why we need this makes this word so much bigger. I'm broken. Get better. Take the opportunity. The amazing thing about grace is that it transforms our lives. And I think about my dad. And I think about, I was born in 1981. He accepted Christ in 1985. And the earliest memories that I have of my father, was in, he was an alcoholic. He was the second part of those verses. He was an angry person. He was a hit first, ask questions later. He didn't beat us. It wasn't like he was, he was violent or aggressive with us, but he was an alcoholic. And I, was share, I think I was sharing this with Dave. The older I got, and this is a concept that is like super foreign to my wife, so maybe some of you will understand. I have uh, uncles that are not really uncles. They're just like super duper close friends of the family. That's like, this is Uncle Hank, this is Uncle Paul, this is Uncle Danny. And she's like, are they really? Are, no, it's, really? Like, that's just who they are. But as we got older, I would, you know, find more out about my dad. And my uncle Hank told us a story once. Uh, we must, I must have been like two or three years old where they had done some wallpaper jobs. They went down to the bar after and they were having drinks. And one thing led to another and they got into a huge... This is who my dad was. But on March 10th, and I have a, a, a plethora of um, sermons that he had recorded over the years. But March 10th, 1985... When he accepted Christ, his life was forever transformed. We weren't headed towards becoming a statistic. I'm a product of that grace. And I saw the transformation in my father for the next 30-whatever years. That's amazing. That's what we're celebrating this morning. So I'm going to ask the, uh, those who are serving to come forward. And there's a statement that uh, he makes in the, um, in the little skit there. And this is what it says. He says, what I did on the cross was meant to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable. That's my grace. It's not about you. It's always about me. It's not about us. It's always about him. So I'm going to ask that you join us today. Our communion service is open to all uh, who have placed their trust if you're a trophy of grace, that means you. 
So we're going to ask that you, uh, uh, if you want to participate, you are welcome to. Uh, if not, what's stopping you? So we're going to take a time of celebration and a time to reflect. And um, we're going to hand out the elements. We're going to send it around. Uh, first, we'll take it all together. Um, you'll get the, uh, the bread and the cup at the same time. So I am asking that um, if you don't mind, uh, take the bread right away and just wait with the cup and we'll, we'll do that together.